You're listening to the Meet the Farmers podcast with me, your host, Ben Eagle. Please remember to subscribe to the show wherever you are listening. Welcome to episode 221 of the Meet the Farmers podcast with me, Ben Eagle. We're heading to the US today and meeting the stars of the Discover Ag podcast, New Mexico dairy farmer Tara van der Dussen and Nebraska-based rancher Natalie Kovrick. Discover Ag sets out to discuss agriculture you can relate to, connect listeners with farmers and explore the food system. As well as the podcast, Tara and Natalie formed Elevate Ag, which helps producers to tell their story online. And I'm really excited to have them on the show today. Uh, I spoke to them the first uh, just a few weeks ago, actually, for the Kite podcast. Um, So it's great to have them on Meet the Farmers. Natalie, Tara, welcome to Meet the Farmers. How are you doing? Hi, thanks for having us on. I'm excited to be talking with you again so soon after the Kite podcast. I know, right? Um, I, I, I thought I'd actually start with a bit of um, a bit of podcast geeking because it's not often that we get uh, actual podcasters on the show. Or well, I did have um, actually had Hugh Broom on the podcast last week who worked in radio. So this is back to back amazing sound. <laughs> um, <laughs> what have you got? Yeah, what, what are your mics? What are your mics? What have you got? Uh, we have Sure mics. Nice. And yeah, we really like them. There's like an upgraded version of Sure, sure mics and. Part of me wishes we had splurged and got those, but these ones are, are working great and the sound sounds great. That's probably just me getting like geeky on audio as well. Yeah, it's the usual way, isn't it? I, I think you have a great sound. Do, do you find this as well that you get far more conscious about sound than anyone else? No one else really cares that much. Absolutely. It's funny what you start to hone in on when you start, uh, you know, sharing in different uh, social media avenues that uh, other people probably don't even think twice about. (laughs) Probably. Right. Uh, Can you introduce yourselves? Uh, Natalie, do you want to start? Yeah, sure. So as you kind of allude to in the intro there, um, I am in central Nebraska. So kind of right smack dab, almost in the middle of the United States for anyone who's super unfamiliar with um, our layout over here. And my husband and I own a cattle ranch, a beef cattle ranch. And I actually grew up in agriculture. So I grew up on a registered Hereford um, operation actually up in Montana. And then when I married my husband, I moved down here. Um, And we have what we refer to here over in the States as a cow-calf operation. And then we're also kind of growing um, our own registered black Angus herd as well. Super. Tara? Yeah. So uh, my husband and I have a dairy farm in New Mexico. And so to give a little, I I don't know, geography on um, the United States, that's obviously kind of like down in the Southwest area. Uh, I also grew up in agriculture, similar to Natalie. I grew up on my family's dairy farm here in New Mexico as well. So New Mexico native, and I actually got my degree in environmental science And so that is what my like piece of the dairy has always been um, is working for dairy farmers on, you know, environmental and sustainability and environmental compliance and that kind of area. And then obviously started sharing online about it's like been seven or eight years, I think now I was trying to figure it out last night. Um, And along that journey of sharing online and just telling about, you know, dairy and impact on the environment, I um, met Natalie and we started our podcast. Yeah. As a complete aside, I was listening to one of your podcasts the other day and you were talking about some of the creepy crawlies, some of the the bugs that you have in New Mexico. (laughs) 
Yes. Um, yeah. It. It's. I. I'm. Yeah. Can. Can you just tell us? Tell the listeners who haven't actually had the. Yeah. Had the joy of listening to that particular. Yeah. A good picture podcast. of New Mexico, Tara. Yeah. Make people want to visit there. Yeah. I know. I feel bad because <laughs> New Mexico is gorgeous and a very diverse state. We have everything from desert to mountains and like literally everything in between. But we have a lot of creepy crawlers and a lot of um, snakes as well. And so yeah, there's some wild snakes. I mean, we have centipedes that are like the long skinny things. They're named centipedes because it's like hundreds of legs is like literally the translation of their name. And so they have hundreds of legs. We have scorpions. What I shared about on the podcast was that they're called Children of the Earth is like the local name. I don't know what the technical name is, but they are the freakiest things. And that was what Natalie and I started talking about. So, yeah, if you are afraid of bugs and snakes, maybe New Mexico is not for you because we do have a lot of those. Yeah. And Tara, I know that you said to Natalie (laughs) when you were recording that to not Google it. But I'm going to tell listeners, Google, (laughs) Google that right now because Google it. Yeah, it, it, it'll take. T- I, I said it's like what my childhood nightmares are made of. Like it, it freaked me out as a child. It still freaks me out now when I see one. Uh, they're terrible. <laughs> so you met on social media, I assume. Yeah, we did. I feel like it's a very millennial way to meet. It but is. we, as Tara alluded to, we've both been sharing online for quite a while. And I definitely think there's been a movement within like the last, you know, four, three, four, five years for farmers to get online and share their stories in different capacities. But when her and I started, it definitely felt much more smaller and intimate. And so I think we were just naturally drawn to each other. Like, oh, another younger female who is in agriculture that's sharing online. We must have a lot in common. And it turns out we did have a lot in common, just, you know, far beyond those things I listed. And so, you know, what, you know, started online quickly kind of transgressed um, outside into, um, you know, quote unquote, real life. And we're now fast friends and obviously business partners, too. Yeah. Tell us the story of Discover Ag and, and how it actually came about. Yeah. So we actually started with a different business in our uh, business partnership. It was called Elevate Ag and it was an online course that helped farmers and ranchers really like share their story. Basically do what Natalie and I kind of do online. Um, At that point in our lives, you know, this was in 2021 where I feel like a lot of farmers were getting on social media more than ever. And so we were getting a ton of questions about like how to share. So we ended up creating a course. Well, as we created that course and we launched a podcast with that course, it was very evident, like within six months of starting that podcast, that we really wanted to get back to the roots of why we started sharing, which was really to tell people about agriculture, to connect people with, you know, farms and ranches across the country, across the world. And so we kind of pivoted, rebranded into Discover Ag, what it is now. And now we cover the top three trending news articles in the ag and food space. We put a very, I feel like, female millennial twist on it and uh, kind of make it, you know, there's references to a lot of pop culture and just a lot of like, I said trending, but I think that's kind of the best word for it. Like what's relevant, what's going on in the world um, and kind of cover those articles. Yeah. And there are quite, I mean, I'm, I'm quite glad that there are lots of ag podcasts out there now because there didn't used to be. And they sort of, they, they sort of have grown over the last few years. And you've said some of the things there that make Discover Ag differently. But I wonder if you could just reflect on the ag podcast scene really and its growth over the last few years, because it has been amazing and, and it's still growing. Yeah, I would agree. I think, um, Unfortunately, ag is always just a little bit behind everyone else. And yep. so I feel like there has been a, you know, a massive entry for a lot of other podcasts into this space, you know, you know, four or five years ago. And that was when kind of all the farmers and agriculture was entering into social media in general. And so now after that wave of just social media in general, I think there, like you said, there's been kind of that trickle over effect into this long form content where they kind of mastered 
you know, short form. And so they're like, okay, what is it? What does it um, maybe taste like to share in a little bit different of a way? And so I do think we're starting to see a lot of people who have been sharing online in certain ways come over to the podcasting space from agriculture. And like you said, it's been really fun because they're such a diverse industry and there's so many different ways to share. And um, everyone obviously looks at it through different lenses and perspectives. And so I, I do think that the more podcasts out there, the better, because I haven't really seen any to date yet that are very similar to each other. And so it's really fun to have that diversity showed, I think. Yeah. You go along with that, Tara? Yeah, I agree. I um, I actually last year was a co-host of another ag podcast, and I feel like it is really cool to see how much it has expanded. And th- I mean, there's so many different things to cover. I think when people think of ag, they really just have such a narrow focus of like, the, I think we get lumped all together, right? Like, oh, you're all farmers, like you all kind of do the same thing. And so I love seeing all the different podcasts coming out because ag is so diverse and there's so many different ways, you know, there's I know some of the ones that I follow are like farm ag wives that are sharing about like day-to-day agriculture, um, which is fun. I, you know, Natalie and I, I feel like are trying to reach, um, you know, kind of outside of agriculture. So it's a completely different approach. Then there is, you know, like the tech side of ag that you could have podcasts about like the really detailed side of like actual farming and, and farming practices. And so there's just such a wide array of things you can cover. Um, and so it's really fun and cool to see that kind of coming to life now in the podcast space. Yeah. It's interesting too, because I don't know what took us so long. I mean, I have consumed podcasts for, I don't know, eight, nine, 10 years. Yeah, (laughs) forever. I've just always loved that content. And I had been asked to start podcasts before. And I was just like, I don't know what I have to talk about. And now looking back, I'm like, what was I thinking? I have so (laughs) much to talk about. Like, you can't stop me from talking about this. And so I don't know kind of what our delay or barrier was as the industry or even just, you know, maybe myself, but um, I'm glad we finally got here. Yeah. Out of interest, what do you put um, Discover Ag under in terms of category? Because this is one of my bugbears. And if, I mean, there is no one, there's literally no one listening from Spotify or Apple Podcasts from this. But it's my, <laughs> it's my ongoing bugbear that where does, where does agriculture fit within the categories? Yeah, we have struggled with this and gone back and forth and I'll, I'll let Natalie share too, but I, um, we ended up settling right now. And I say right now, cause we may change it again. We are in like food, um, and then arts and culture and society. Like I think arts may be both of those kind of fall under there. It depends whether you're in Spotify or Apple. Um, but we, I'm very proud to say that we rank in the top 20 almost consistently in the food category and we've hit number one. Yep. And so I, I mean, we're in there with a bunch of chefs and <laughs> people talking about like cooking food more. Um, but I, I feel like we've kind of found a home there that I, I like in the food category. Yeah. Unless you're looking at it in a positive way, that's maybe not a bad thing because again, it's bringing those two sides together. If if agriculture had its own subcategory, say, then then there might not be, there might be people who are listening to those food podcasts who might think, oh, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to try out Discover Act. Well, and this is a little rant I go on myself, but I feel like food conversations have oftentimes been either dominated from like a chef perspective or even voices outside. And that's really like going back to like why we started, you know, Discover Ag. Tara mentioned we want to get back to the root of sharing. But I also think I just personally got really tired of seeing those two perspectives dominate the food conversation. Like I'm tired of seeing shows always from the chef's perspective um, and leading people through conversation about agriculture and, you know, food and farming and really boots on the ground stuff, again, from a chef perspective. I think it has a val- value. And I think people relate to that. And I think instantly, you know, when you instantly think of food, you do think of like cooking and preparing it. But I think we've always missed that that component of farmers and ranchers talking about food. And so I think it was really important to us that um, 
we offered that perspective um, when no one else really was. Like instead of letting the chef tell you about it, let the farmer and rancher tell you about it. And instead of having, you know, the person who writes for the New York Times that lives in Upper East Side, New York, write about agriculture in the New York Times, why not like tune into the two farmers on their podcast talking yeah. about it? And so I think that's one thing we're really proud of is that like we are actually in the industry. And, and I know that any farmer ranch would say the same thing. But when you're in the industry, lending your voice to the industry, I think it's really important. This episode is being supported by our primary sponsor, Howden Rural, which is the new name for Aplan Rural. The Howden team shares my passion for giving a voice to farmers, and we have both driven to raise the profile of farming voices to a wider audience. Howden Rural do a lot of work on social media themselves, sharing farming accounts and farming stories. They have a rural community blog which shares farmers' experiences. They also support a growing number of initiatives that champion UK farmers, including this podcast. So a big thank you to Howden Rural for supporting Meet the Farmers. Let's talk a little bit about your stories and go back to the beginning. How did you both become interested in farming? And can you remember when you decided that it's what you wanted to do with your life? Tara, let's start with you. Yeah, we actually did a personal episode on our podcast a little bit about this because I think Natalie and I both have un- a little bit unconventional avenues back into agriculture. Um, so but you'll hear a lot of similarities in our stories. Um, so while I grew up on a dairy farm, I did not see myself coming back to the dairy farm like at all. Um, I went away to college and I remember picking a college based on the fact that I didn't know a single person at that school and I took a lot of pride in that and got my degree in environmental science. Um, I was not dating my husband. Like we are not high school sweethearts or anything like that. And we didn't start dating until about my junior year of college. And so I, up until that point, kind of thought I would go off, live in a big city, just do something kind of different. And as life would have it, I obviously started dating my husband, ultimately married him and ended up back in New Mexico, kind of near my hometown, um, daring farming with him and his family. And so even up until that point, like I, with my degree in environmental science, I remember when I first got out of college, I tried to get a job, not in agriculture, like doing something different. And I got sucked in. And then once I came back to it, I feel like I just was like, what was I thinking? Like, I can't believe I wanted to do something different. I I love it. I loved working with dairy farmers. I loved having dairy farmers as my clients. Um, And so it's kind of funny how life works out that way. But um, yeah, it was kind of a roundabout journey coming back. But now, considering that Natalie and I spent all week talking about agriculture and how much we love it and like our passion for it, I can't believe there was a point in my life where I thought I didn't want that to be a piece of my life. So very thankful that my husband um, forced me back to the farm, I guess. Natalie, what's your story? Yeah, oddly similar. So I actually got my degree in pharmacy. I was practicing as a full-time pharmacist actually in a bigger town in Montana when I met my husband. And so I had always lived in close proximity to our family ranch and spent a ton of time out there. I have two sisters that are on my family ranch with my parents. And so it was very much so a part of my life. Um, I just never envisioned agriculture being a part of my life the way it is now. And so I definitely didn't envision living on a ranch. I didn't envision my income being derived from agriculture. Definitely didn't envision, you know, sharing about it online. I just really thought I'd be a pharmacist. <laughs> like it's a pretty practical career that like a lot of, you know, a lot of people, you know, need a pharmacist. And so um, I just did not foresee the turn in events, but I ultimately married, um, met and married my husband and kind of the same thing. He was from Nebraska and he was ranching. And I do remember having this point in my mind where I was like, gosh, am I really going to marry a rancher? Like I actually had to give it a lot of thought just because I know what comes with you know, growing up in agriculture and having your life um, kind of tied to this industry, it, it's much more than just a job. It really is, as we all say, you know, our lifestyle. And so 
remember having this kind of pause where I was like, gosh, am I going to do this? And I thought, yes, you know, I love this man. I'm going to. So when we moved, um, when I moved down to Nebraska, that's kind of when I, I think my life just kind of got flipped up on its head. I was, um, we live outside a very small town. And so there weren't a ton of pharmacy jobs open right away. And so that kind of led me to start sharing online. And then I ultimately just stepped away from pharmacy and, and I'm on the ranch full time and, and share online full time. And so it was very serendipitous, as I call it. Um, I definitely couldn't have planned it. I didn't plan it. It just kind of happened the way it is. But as Kara said, um, looking back, I just can't imagine my life being any other way than it is now. So um, I'm glad I listened to like those heart cues and those, um, you know, gut instincts and made the decisions I did. Yeah. Well, you're definitely the first pharmacist turned rancher that I've ever met. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very unique career path for Natalie. <laughs> Yeah, I know. <laughs> it does. You know, people ask me a lot if, if they're like, do you regret it? Or, you know, just because it is kind of interesting, that shift. And um, I absolutely don't regret it. And I actually think um, that's one of the things that people like about our podcast, too, is that kind of Tar and I, because we both came from more science backgrounds, I guess, for our um, education, we really kind of bring our viewpoints to those when we're looking at articles, you know, like we we love to talk about facts and data and science, and we'll really root things in kind of the core of like true assessment. And um, like, I don't ever feel comfortable making statements that I don't feel like I researched or backed up. And sometimes that is, you know, not what you get out of media all the time. And so I do think that that's been really helpful. And like, Tara and I and how we approach sharing um, kind of from more that, I guess, like a little bit of a science background. Yeah. Okay, this is a very British question. Okay. But what is the difference? This is, this is idiot alert here. What's the difference between a farmer and a rancher? For some reason, I knew that's what you were going to ask, actually, which is I really I had no funny. idea. I was like, oh, brace ourselves. I don't know what's coming. No, I feel like that's a very like European thing to ask yeah. um, because we and I feel like it's something I even feel like I struggle with like the different titles of people and Natalie too, like Natalie does not relate to being a farmer. She very much relates to being a rancher. So Natalie, sorry, I jumped in, but I'll let you (laughs) give your opinion. It's definitely a regional regional. So I'm pretty sure you guys are all, you would say like you're a cattle farmer or a beef farmer, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And I only asked this because I, well, I thought, I thought that stupidly that ranchers were livestock and then farmers were crops. I thought that was the line. But then when I saw Tara, how you describe yourself, you describe yourself as a dairy farmer. So that just made me think about that. Yeah, I don't, I think it's a um, regional thing of far, this gets very detailed into the United States, but often uh, for the left of the Mississippi River and then um, more Midwest and Northern, they are kind of the people that use the term ranching and it does have to do with livestock. And there isn't a ton of dairy farming up in the North, like in Montana, Idaho, kind of um, even Nebraska where I'm at. I mean, we have the dairy industry, but it's not as prevalent as it is down South where you're getting into like New Mexico, Texas, kind of like Tara's area. So I think that's why they say farm still, even though they have livestock. Um, So it's definitely kind of just this one area, I think in the U S that really relates to the term rancher. Cause even when you get back East, like where you're, you know, upstate New York or like, um, farming in Florida and areas like that, I think they say they're like beef farmers or cattle farmers too. I think it's really just a weird part of the United States that definitely uses the term rancher. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I agree. I think West is rancher. East is farmer. And then I'll say dairy farming is 
different too. I feel like when I was growing up, it was dairy producer and they didn't use the word (laughs) farmer at all because a lot of dairy farmers don't actually farm. And then I feel like now more my generation, we have like more acreage that we actually farm. But like, to be honest, I wouldn't like call myself a farmer and my husband wouldn't necessarily either. Like he like farming isn't his main goal. Like the cows are his main goal. And so he probably would actually say dairy producer. Um, I feel like, yeah, it's weird. All the different terminology we all use (laughs) and what we identify with. Welcome to agriculture. We love to complicate things. Oh, we do. But no, I'm I'm glad, I'm glad we've, uh, we've tidied that one up. Um, let's, let's side, sidestep into our communications again. And I'm just interested in your viewpoint on some of the challenges um, that you've come across in our communications and telling farming stories because there's sort of the traditional there's sort of traditional media way of of of, of telling sort of the ag story and then there's the social media way of telling the ag story podcasting sort of sits long form somewhere in, in between but there are lots of different ways and you have a which i hope you'll do a shout out at the end as well you've got a really exciting docuseries coming out as well so there's, there's lots of different ways that you can tell farming stories but what are the challenges from your point of view I'm surprised Natalie's not jumping in. I thought she'd say her her famous line of that uh, ag does not have a product problem, but we have a marketing problem. And uh, trying yeah. to figure out that marketing problem, um, I think has been, for me, it's been evolving over the years. I feel like how I approached it probably at the very beginning, my sharing online is very different than how I do now and will probably continue to evolve and change. Um, I do think that one thing I've realized is within agriculture, within our ag bubble, we think and like talk a certain way. And I have learned that when you're sharing online with more of like a general audience, you have to be like really careful of the terminology you use that you don't like get people lost in the weeds of things like they don't necessarily know what a heifer is or you know, whatever it is. And so you just have to kind of like break it down and keep it simple um, in that sense. And it's not that people aren't smart. They just don't use the same words as us. And so thinking in that terms um, and then just I feel like with ag, it is so massive and it's everything we do. We can like throw a lot at people really quickly. And it's like thinking about it more in like bite sized chunks, right? Like a little bit more easily digestible content. Uh, and so that's for social media. That's definitely how I've approached things um, more so. And then obviously with social media, making it personal, uh, I feel like, you know, in news, more general, like ad communication, it's more like the general story of something. Um, and I feel like it has to be like people want to know who your kids are and what you're doing. And they want more of like you, I think, access to you when you're sharing on social media. Yep. I hesitated for a second to answer this um, because I feel like I'm going through a major switch um, or reassessment or just kind of like actually I'm in the eye of the storm right now of how best it is to share. And I used to think there is no right or wrong way to share. And you would hear that from me all the time. Like there's no right or wrong way to share about agriculture, like share that's unique to you. And I think Tara and I've had this really unique perspective that since starting our podcast, we have been able to guest um, kind of like we're doing now on a ton of podcasts, but I would say over 90% of what we guest on is not ag podcasts. I mean, they are ran by people who are in the fitness industry, the wellness industry, you know, people who are interested in food. And I think having that one-on-one conversation about agriculture with someone who is very removed about it, but still food curious, um, has really just shifted the way I think about advocating. And I, even scrolling back on my personal social media, you'll see that I used to have a very specific way sharing. You know, it was very kind of loud, dominant, very fact-based, as I talked about. Um, just very, un- I don't know, very unique way. And now I feel like I want to share completely differently. I feel like 
before I wanted to convince someone about something with agriculture. And now I feel like it's more important to just pique their interest in agriculture. And so I'm still, I feel like I'm still navigating the right and wrong way um, to share online. And it's just so interesting when you actually have a conversation with a consumer, what they care about, what their questions still are. And Tara, like said, some of the things that I feel like we of an industry have thought we could move on about talking about, we're like, oh, well, obviously, like, we talked about that so many times, like, that's not an issue. Some of those things are still issues. And so I think like Tara said, it goes back to those very rudimentary conversations and topics and just really reminding people that I think there's a face and a family behind food. Like somehow we've lost that and it seems so basic, but I think something as little as that is just advocating in enough of itself. Hmm. Let's talk about dairy farming for a bit. So Tara, I'm going to turn it over to you. What do you think are some of the biggest misunderstandings or misconceptions that people have about dairy farming? I would say... There's like two spectrums. There's like on-farm things and then there's actually like the milk side of things. I think that on the milk side of things, people, I think there's still a lot of misconceptions that like, oh, there's antibiotics in your milk or there's hormones added or, you know, what is RBST? Especially, I mean, that's more of a United States thing, I think, than in the UK. But I think those are very big misconceptions that people do not understand all the checks and balances in place and all the testing and all that goes into that. And then on farm, I think, um, you know, we're seeing in the United States, obviously, a lot of consolidation and uh, larger farms. And our farm is a, is a larger farm as well, um, although we are in business with my father-in-law and four of my husband's brothers. Like, there's a lot of families that have all chosen to stay together in, in favor for us, I guess, for economics. I think that like big is bad is a big misconception or that big farms are not taking care of their cattle in the same way that small farms are. Um, And I think some of that comes even within the industry. There's obviously people who do not want to see the consolidation in the dairy industry. Um, I, you know, it's not like I love seeing consolidation in the dairy industry either. I have a dad who literally just sent out his last load of milk cows um, two weeks ago and super, super hard. But I also think that it is part of the economics of it, of where we're at in this country, whether that's right or wrong, that's where we're at. And so I think we have to stop fighting amongst ourselves with like big is bad or any of those conversations, because I think it plays out really bad for all of dairy in the news, in the media, in consumers' minds. I think consumers don't necessarily like in their mind, if they see something bad about dairy, they don't think like, oh, that's only big dairies. It's like, oh, well, then I'll just stop consuming all dairy. And so I think that kind of like bickering um, is just not good for us as an industry overall. And again, coming back to telling the farming story, I suppose, um, telling telling the livestock story in this particular case as well. How how do you think that can actually be reframed? Um, how can that message, I suppose, on an education format, how can, how can we get that across? Yeah, I mean, I think that was really at the root of like even why I started sharing um, the environmental side. I wanted to share about like I wanted to put as Natalie said a face with like a larger farm, like right, like we I live right here on my dairy farm. I am a part of my dairy farm that size, you know, it has nothing to do with size that there's still a family and a face behind these farms. And um, so I think there there has to be more of that. I think what's hard is that, you know, in all of ag, I feel like a lot of people would probably say there's like farmers already have a job and it's, you know, producing food, running their farms. They don't have time to like go out and like share their story, which is how we ended up with like in the United States, we have Checkoff who helps us like market ourselves, except for those messages. I think a lot of times fall more flat. It, it, it comes off as like a brand sharing versus a person sharing when we have like a marketing company sharing for us. And so I think that is really hard um, piece of it. And then I do think some of the farms that are sharing, you know, this is like a generalization, 
But like, if you are pushing a certain product, you are going to be using tactics and techniques to sell that product that may be at the detriment to like other people. We've seen that with organic. Like I remember here in the United States, Organic Valley had a commercial that came out that was very painted conventional agriculture, conventional dairy farming, very dark and bad. And like the music was terrible. And so I think we just have to be really careful with that of how we're positioning ourselves and marketing ourselves that we're not like putting down another sector of the industry. Mm. Natalie, do you think that goes for, for the farming story as a whole? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's something, I mean, there's, I think there's two things we really struggle with agriculture. One is in getting into an echo chamber. Like I think we have a lot of conversations within ourselves and it's hard to get that outside of. And then like Tara said, I think we can sometimes without realizing it, um, or we're having to play a game, but, um, we can put down other industries. You know, I remember talking to a direct to consumer beef business and they were advertising like, no, you know, no added hormones and all these different things. And they're like, you know, we know we don't have to put that on there, but if we're the only one that doesn't, then people are going to think we have it. And so it's kind of like that. Don't hate, you know, the, the player hate the game. And I think we're in that position um, as an industry, like Tara said, where we're, we're trying to sell a product, we're trying to connect with consumers. And so we'll pull out bits and pieces that are unique to, you know, maybe your operation or something you do different or something you're proud of, but we don't realize what it's doing, you know, for the other people down the road that are selling the same thing um, and just selling it or, you know, raising it, um, growing it, producing it in a little bit different of a way. And I think consumers are really latching on to labels more than we're aware of as an industry. And yeah. so I think we really have to be cable, careful about the way we're using labels. Meet the Farmers is brought to you by Rural Pod Media, the only podcast production agency to specialize in the rural sector. We're on a mission to make rural stories mainstream and help businesses, organizations, and communities like you tell your story through podcasting. Podcasting is a fantastic way of connecting with your audience, whoever that might be, getting your message out there, and networking with leaders in your niche. Rural Pod Media can help you by launching your new podcast or helping you with the technical side. We also provide podcast training and an audit service if you already have a podcast you're not sure where to take it to next. For more information or to book a call, visit ruralpodmedia.co.uk. That's ruralpodmedia.co.uk. How do you see agriculture evolving over the next few years so what are we going to be talking about on ag podcasts in five or ten years time what are your three stories going to be mm, and that is a, a really good question <laughs> i feel like we are undergoing like kind of a massive shift in my mind a little bit in agriculture i mean i think we have been agriculture is always evolving and changing and probably every person for the last you know hundred years has said like oh things are going to be really different in five to ten years <laughs> but i feel like with technology and everything that's going on in like policy like i you know I think that that's probably across the EU and even in the United States and beyond, you know, looking to um, New Zealand um, and even China. Like, I think there's a lot of policies going to play. Um, we are more a world market than we've ever been like import exports. I feel like we're going to see, you know, United States, I think it was 2022, we hit the highest exports for dairy we've ever seen. I, I don't see that like changing. And so uh, I think things will become really fast paced. I think there'll be a lot of technology. Um, and then on the flip side of that, this entire conversation of connecting people back to the farm, you know, as we're continuing to propel forward, we somehow have to figure out how to get people to understand how we're changing, how we're evolving and how agriculture is looking. And so I think it's kind of almost like a yin and a yang of like us doing really innovative things while at the same time, like Natalie's saying, like there's still a family and a face behind our products. Like, so it's, it's very like that juxtaposition. 
Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I have uh, too much more to add beyond that. Um, I do think it's interesting though, because I think a lot of things you're discussing or here's how I should word this better. I think a lot of the things you see changes from in our industry are actually from conversations you were having like, you know, 15, 20, 25 years ago. I think that's how long it takes for some of these changes to unfold. And I think it's interesting because Tara said that she doesn't, you know, we hit our highest points for, or at least in the dairy industry, they hit their highest points for exportation and she doesn't see that changing. I think that's interesting because I think more and more conversations right now, especially consumer driven conversations are around limiting exports, like really going back to like, what would it look like for, I know at least here in the US, people really want to have conversations on what would it look like to go to like all US beef supply chain? Like, you know, what does it look like to eat more locally? Like, I feel like those are the conversations that are having right now. And so while I, I don't, I agree with her, I don't, un, don't foresee an undoing of our global marketplace. It's just, just way too complicated to change that. It makes me wonder beyond the five to 10 year mark, more like the 25 to 30 year mark, what this conversation about like local food supply yep. um, and getting away from global exportation and predation, what that will actually look like further on. Like, does that actually have a chance to to change? Um, or are we at the point where it's like, you cannot undo what we've done? And I think that's really interesting for me to think about because there's just so many conversations happening right now about, I mean, in, here in the US, we're starting to limit like... Um, we just covered this on our podcast, Arkansas banned China from owning farmland in the state. And so I just think there's some of these things that are happening that I'm like, what will this be after there's enough time for these changes to take place? One other thing I'll add that I think that we haven't touched on is population size. We know that like in the EU population is slowing down, the United States population is slowing down. Um, Depending on where it peaks, it will probably peak in our lifetime of us being the generation that's farming. And so I always think about what that means for our kids. If, you know, we are, have been in a mentality, I would say for the last hundred years, produce more, produce more, produce more. We have a growing population. We have to have more calories. And what will happen when that shift starts to reverse and we have a declining population, we have an older population, you know, all of those things. I'm not saying I know what's going to happen. I just think we have to keep that on our minds of like, what will that look like into the future for agriculture? And it's just crazy because it's a complete shift from, I think, what we grew up with, our parents, our grandparents, um, and the mentality of agriculture. Just a little more about our primary sponsor, Howden Rural, which is the new name for A-Plan Rural. Same people, different name. Howden Rural provide bespoke insurance cover for farms and estates. This could be for anything from tractors and machinery to a new exciting diversification venture. So for more information, visit howdeninsurance.co.uk forward slash rural. I'm going to give you a chance to plug the docuseries for sure, but I'm interested generally what's next for you and, and perhaps what's next for you straight away but where do you want to go with all this oh great question and you could answer if we we had an answer for that um no but we have some exciting plans for our podcast uh and some big things i think on the horizon for just the podcast being into the docuseries but um you know i think that we really want to be able to you know reach obviously more people with this kind of like a little bit um, unique way of how we're delivering agriculture. I think that we both hope that there's a lot of potential there for people to be kind of interested in being able to come to these conversations in, uh, you know, a more unique and kind of fun way. Um, I'll let, I feel like Natalie wants to say something. No, I would say that, yeah, kind of getting down to the micro level of like what is next for us immediately, as you said, I do think it's the podcasting space. You know, our podcast isn't even a year old yet. So I do feel like we're still a baby podcast. I think Tara and I really hit the ground running and had, um, you know, like high 
ambitions of like really growing the podcast. And I feel like we've hit a really good groove of like what we want our brand to be and what we want to be sharing about. And now I feel like we're really at the exciting time of any, you know, entrepreneur who knows they're at the phase of like, kind of like, um, really getting into the details of their brand and business. And I think that's what we want to do with our podcast next. Like, do we want to maybe do some in-person shows? Like what can we bring to really like, you know, up level our podcast? Cause I feel like we've kind of laid that foundation and we've been focusing on that, but I feel like we've really just barely been doing the tip of the iceberg of things we want to do with the discover ag brand. And so it's really exciting that, right. I think we're just ready to go all in on the podcast and see what more we can do with the um, discover Ag podcast. And then as you alluded to, and we're, tr- you know, really trying hard to pair that with um, like a visual component, the docuseries that we would bring to like a streaming network where it's really this all um, encompassing where like you would follow with us to the operations and you'd get to visit um, a farmer ranch and, and learn more about a specific product each episode. And then that would be paired with the podcast where it's like maybe we interview the farmer we were with or maybe we talk behind the scenes about what it was like on that and just continue to have these kind of conversations both um in visual form on a streaming device and then in your earbuds on a podcasting device as well fantastic i can't believe you've only been going a year it's mad we're mad too ben <laughs> they're like when will you ladies ever slow down <laughs> that's great um yeah we're running out of time it's just that we're, but we're gonna go to the quick questions uh these are a bit of fun um, your all-time favorite song Oh my gosh. Do you know what yours is, Natalie? No, I'm a music connoisseur, Ben, and I will not um, let you pigeonhole me into (laughs) one song. Um, I've just always loved and very connected with music. And so it depends on my mood. It depends on the day. Um, But that's one of my favorite things is to find actually new artists that aren't, um, you know, like I'm not listening to like Taylor Swift. I love to find like up and young coming artists on Spotify. And um, yeah, I just, I love music. I could never pick a favorite song. Nice. I mean, as a musician, that is the right answer. For the purpose of the podcast, <laughs> not so sure. But anyway, Tara, what about you? <laughs> oh my gosh, I have so many things I love. I'm, I can't believe, I think what I'm going to say kind of surprises me because I am a big kid rock fan, which makes me surprises people, but I'm going to go a totally different direction. So my maiden name, um, I'm Dutch uh, heritage. And so my maiden name is actually Bonestro. And there is a George Thorogood song that is bad to the bone. And I just feel like <laughs> it was like, I know it's like my family's theme song. Like if that <laughs> song comes on and there is a Bonestro in the room, like everyone is on the dance floor. And so I just feel like it is um, like a little piece of my family history. There. I just and so... feel like Tara gave the most American answer. <laughs> I totally give. think like, so. Do you want a stereotype USA uh, answer? Please refer to Tara. Here I am. <laughs> Uh, all-time favorite book uh mine's the alchemist nice mine is uh nightingale i love the nightingale it's about world war ii cool and film favorite film we actually did this in our personal episode coming out what our film was that we could watch over and over so this is a little (laughs) bit different spin i feel like my favorite film i did Man, I don't know. Natalie, what's yours? You go first I again. <laughs> I don't have one either. <laughs> How do you not have a favorite film? I have like too many. I could like pick like a thousand. <laughs> I did say the one fun. I would watch over and over again, which this is going to be such an American answer as well. Yeah. But um, I could watch Titanic over and over again. I don't know why. Okay. I just, I could. If it's on TV, I put it on. Yeah, that's fair. It's a good film. It's a good film. Um, <laughs> a movie that, uh, one of my favorite movies that totally like threw me, I remember, is uh, The Sixth Sense. 
I don't know if it's oh. my favorite movie, but it is one that stands out from like my younger like childhood of being like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that's like what, yeah. it, you know, how it ended. Um, so that's up there with one of my favorites I, that um, it just like lives in infamy in my um, memories. Yeah, I feel like that's, I will... that's a very millennial answer as well. That was that, that was I remember that being massive. Yeah. yeah, I will say Wes Anderson is one of my favorite um, yep. producers. So any film by Wes Anderson, I always love too. So cool. Another good answer. Um, the final questions, uh, which we ask everyone at the end of the show, um, your message for the public, what would your message for the public be? Any message? Oh my gosh. Well, I'm going to be total cliche. And I feel like it's like discover ag, like go out, yep. discover ag, learn about agriculture, whether that is if you are in the industry, I feel like Natalie and I, our docu-series, um, our episode we recorded this summer was a sheep trail through the Montana wilderness. We followed 10,000 sheep to their summer pasture. I am in ag. I didn't know that existed. Didn't even know it was something like I didn't know it was something I even would want to do. And it was literally one of the most incredible experiences of my life. And so, um, and then for consumers as well, like get out, learn about agriculture. It's such an incredible, you know, piece of our society. Um, so that would be my two cents. I second that. Cool. And message for farmers. Uh, Minus take care of the land. Yeah. Take care of the land. Um, I think that's uh, one thing we can always do. Um, and we're doing a great job of it, but we can always continue to do better too. And I don't think we'll ever regret, um, taking care of, um, the soil. Cool. And finally, apart from Discover Ag, of course, um, the podcast, your recommendation for a blog, podcast or social media account to follow, which can be farming, but it doesn't need to be farming. There's a quick podcast I listen to almost every day. It's called Quote of the Day. Um, And what he does is their episodes are usually under 10 minutes. And what he does is pulls a famous speech um, and he highlights that um, like motivational speech. Um, so you listen, he pulls out kind of like the most impactful moment of the entire probably hour long, you know, keynote, and then you get to listen to that. Um, and it's a really powerful message and a really powerful way to start your day usually. Cool. I'm glad you said that one. That was literally the one I had pulled up. Oh, so yeah. um, as I was scrolling, so it is a really good one. Natalie always um, sends that one to me, but it's it's a really good like quick hit, like she said, like 10 minutes to give you some inspiration um, for the day. And sometimes if it's a really good um something very you know that touches you you can go watch the full keynote which is always cool well there you are listeners there is uh there is your recommendation for today tara natalie thank you so much for coming on the show it's been such a pleasure having you thanks for having us this was an honor to be able to talk like i said at the beginning more with you so thank you Oh, yeah thank you the pleasure was all ours oh thanks both that is it for today <laughs> uh, we'll leave it there a big thank you to tara and natalie for coming on the show and thank you very much for listening uh, thanks also to our primary podcast sponsor howden rural insurance for supporting the show um, any extra info you need is in the show notes including the link to the discover act podcast but you guys know how to find it just search for it on uh, apple podcast spotify wherever you're listening to this uh, for now though i'm ben eagle this has been meet the farmers thank you very much for listening and i hope you'll have a great week